It took 15 minutes and three takes to create the song that music publication Mojo would later call the sound of the birth of rock and roll. Little Richard was in the specialty record studio with Fats Domino's backing band to record a single. It was his first recording with the label after working with RCA and Peacock Records for several years with no success. This recording session wasn't looking good either until Richard, in a fit of frustration, began banging out a raucous, ribald tune on the piano that he'd apparently written and composed years ago and polished in clubs across the South. Producer Robert Bumps Blackwell could tell the song would be a hit, but he knew the language had to be cleaned up because you couldn't blatantly sing about anal sex on the radio in 1955. Blackwell brought in songwriter Dorothy Labostri to clean up the lyrics, and with the small amount of studio time they had left, they put the song together. Or so the story goes. Labostri claimed she had already written the song beforehand. The title was inspired by a new flavor of ice cream, whose Italian name translates to All Fruits. Regardless of how exactly the lyrics came to be, Labostri has been collecting sizable royalty checks for her contributions for as long as the song has been on the airwaves. In 2010, the U.S. Library of Congress National Recording Registry added the recording to its registry, and the hit single reached number 43 on Rolling Stone's Top 500 Songs of All Time, with the magazine claiming that the song, quote, still contains what has to be considered the most inspired rock lyric ever recorded. A wop bop a loo bop a wop bam boom That's right, to celebrate the life of Little Richard, we're talking Tootie Fruity on Cover Me. wop bop a loo bop a bop bam Tootie Fruity That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out which one almost drives me crazy. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my All Fruits co-host. All Fruits, Alex Mildenberger. <laughs> All Fruits, Alex Mildenberger. All Fruits, Alex Bumps Mildenberger. Bumps? What? That's uh, Robert Bumps Blackwell, the producer. His, his nickname is, I suppose, Bumps. All right. They call me All Fruits Bumps. All Fruits Bumps. Oops. All Fruits Bumps. Alex, <laughs> how you doing? I'm doing all right. It's still it's still isolation going on, but it's sunny now. I like oh, that. That's good. That's a good thing. That's we're like a, we're like summer here. In the summertime. Exactly. Fucking Mungo Jerry put out some like quarantine song. Oh yeah, I think I've seen and or heard that. It's it was on my release new releases thing in Spotify. Mm. And Did you release it with Bluestone and Skeebity? No. It's called mm. the Lockdown Thank You Song. Lockdown Thank You Song. There's like several of those going on. Like like Alice Cooper has one too. Oh yeah. Uh like they're not very Isn't good. What, nope, not gonna make uh, the joke. Alright. What? They're not <laughs> like <laughs> They're not great. I mean, yeah, it's the same. You know, they're just doing stuff to fill the time mostly. Yeah, and I'm sure Alice some Cooper's is called "Don't Give Up." Yeah, don't give up. Anyway, yeah, that's that's my review of uh, this this pandemic. Not great mm-hmm. music yet. We'll see. Yeah, what happens. musically, we're in, in in most fields, we're a little. A little choked up. Except podcasts. We're doing great on podcasts. Are we doing great on podcasts? Oh, we're incredible. We're, uh, you know, our our listenership has decreased by like two-thirds. Sweet. 
And we're uh, talking about another dead person this week. Little Richard died uh, May 9th, I believe, of some kind of cancer. I want to say bone cancer. <laughs> Sorry, that's not about fucking. <laughs> that's, that's not why, but like, maybe? <laughs> um, let me see. On May 9th, died at age 87 at his home in Tuloma, Tennessee, from a cause related to bone cancer after a two-month illness. Right, and he's been kind of sick for a while, like... Off and on over the last couple decades, so. Yeah, I mean, pretty heavy drug use on his part, too, so. Like, to hit 87. He did okay. Good job. He did okay. He did fucking fine. He also wrote this song. Or at least he recorded it. Yeah, he at least recorded it, so there's a little controversy. Allegedly, the original song, like, his story and what the producer says, and it's the more, like, widespread one is that he uh, was upset during the recording with uh, Specialty Records, and then like during their lunch break, he just started fucking hammering on the piano and singing the lyrics, which were, at the time, Tutti Fruity, good booty. If it don't fit, don't force it. You can grease it, make it easy. Which, I don't know exactly how that fits into the, like, the rhythm of the lyrics, but I'm sure there's a way. Yeah, I mean, it's this is the birth of rock and roll, baby. It's, I think you're allowed to. I mean, it's probably to to quote the lyrics itself. It was pretty greasy, which probably made it easy. It seems pretty easy to me. That's what I'm. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm picking up. That's what I'm getting out of this. But like the lyrics themselves are not all that complicated. Like it's very much, like it's kind of in that, the blues vein of like, you have the kind of 12 bars, you know, and the first two bars are the same thing, and then the third bar is something different, and then there's sort of a result, but it sort of brings you back in the last um, mm-hmm. three bars, I guess, in three-bar segments. Um, but it doesn't really progress like that. Yeah, so apparently a big part of, like, what, like, really shifted this to rock and roll, like, what at least what I picked up in research, was specifically, because uh, it's Little Richard on the keys, Mm-hmm. And the the rhythm he's hammering out there because it's quite aggressive, uh, is essentially what shaped kind of like the four four rock beat. Because the drummer says, I don't know if I have the quote here, but he talks about how he was trying to do like a shuffle beat, but then it's like it doesn't quite fit. Like you just gotta change it. You gotta put it in the like four, in the the quarter notes or whatever, just mm-hmm. to, so everything fits properly. And that's kind of rock and roll. You know, just like don't swing it. When I was, if I've ever tried to learn like that kind of rock piano, which I haven't really been able to do yet, but um, that's kind of the thing is like, oh, if you're doing if you're doing the blues, you swing it. But if mm-hmm. you're doing if you're doing rock and roll, you play it straight. Yeah, and, and that's uh, that's yeah, that's that's like what happened here. So a lot of what seemed to happen on this track. Like you said, it does just kind of sound like blues, but it's a lot of, like, structural changes. So, like, that 4-4 rock timing, um, and, of course, the spirit of that opening with the, the vocalization of wop bop a loo bop a wop bam boom Which is just, that's just rock and roll. That's fucking nonsense, but he says it loud and wildly, and you go, like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And supposedly, he, like, they also sanitized that a bit. Like, it... Mm. I don't remember. It was something like wop bop loop And then he, he said good goddamn in there somewhere. Like, and they were like, we right. can't say that on the radio. It's the 50s. 
but then there's also questions to that because little Richard, his whole life has been very, uh, like, very involved with the church, like, very religious. Right. Which has been another struggle of his. So some people say he would have never said good goddamn because he'd never take the Lord's name in vain. There seems to be, uh, there's, a, there's definitely a lot of stories about this one, eh? Yeah, so another story about this vocalization while we're on it, on it is it's apparently from his days as a dishwasher. I have the, And I do have a quote from him on that. So he says, I couldn't talk back to my boss, man. He would bring all these pots back for me to wash. And one day I said, I've got to do something to stop this man bringing back all these pots to me to wash. And I said, a wop bop, a lubop, a wop bam boom, take them out. And that's what I meant at the time. And so I wrote Tutti Frutti in the kitchen. I wrote Good Golly Miss Molly in the kitchen. I wrote Long Tall Sally in that kitchen. It's a protective kitchen. I guess yeah, there's a lot of shit. time for your mind to wander when you're washing dishes. Mm-hmm. What, like, you're that boss. You go back there to give a dishwasher dishes, and he just, just hollers that at you. What do you do? I mean, it was the 50s, so that's just what everyone was doing, right? Just nonsense. Yeah, it was just, yeah, shout out nonsense. Or it was probably the 40s at that point. I don't know. Yeah, depending on how long you had this washer job. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've already kind of talked a bit about the lyrics before we go into it full on um alex any any connection to little richard he's sort of like a shakespeare of rock and roll you know yeah it's very much like like this primordial soup of mm-hmm. of what like became rock and roll and then it changed so much after that but if you i mean all these a lot of these cover versions come from like some heavy hitters in the like earlier but not primal days of rock and roll and they all kind of owe a lot to this, and they're all big fans of this. Um, so my connection is basically none. Like, I know these songs because they've been played by so many other artists, but I don't really know Little Richard specifically. Yeah, uh, to the point where I believe that the uh, the vocalization or uh, how we all recognize it and quote it is actually based on the Elvis Presley version. Because he says a wop bamboo or whatever yeah he says what bam he says a what bomb bomb on the original yeah which i didn't even really notice but yeah that's that's the version i would have known or something coming from that anyway that's the the vocalization i would have heard Mm -hmm, that old white white rock and roll okay let's break down these fucking nonsense lyrics that are based on a fucking flavor of ice cream Yes, and also a brand of frozen yogurt. Yeah, I that definitely so. did not exist in the fifties. Well, yeah, but, like maybe, but I don't this. think so. Also, yeah, this uh, Labostri, Dorothy Labostri, uh, her quote on that is that she she used to live on Galvez Street and she liked to go down to the drugstore and buy ice cream. One day we went in and saw this new flavor, tutti frutti. Right away, I thought, boy, that's a great idea for a song. That sounds like the biggest lie in history. <laughs> I mean, but it's I guess, it's like, less believable than Tutti Frutti Good Booty. Yeah, but also, I guess, like, back then, you just found two words that rhymed. You're like, baby, that's a song that's right there. That's a song there. right there. That's like in fucking Flight of the Concords. He's like, here's a rhyme for you. And then just, like, <laughs> there's two <laughs> yeah, words that right. rhyme. He's like, you can use that one. You can use that one, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about some of these rhyming words. We got wop bop loo bop wop bam boom or wop bam bomb. Bam bomb. We got Tutti Frutti. Oh, Rudy. Tutti Fruity Woo, and then it's Tutti Fruity Oh, Rudy. That's the whole chorus. Yes, who's Rudy? 
That's the question, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I, don't um, know. I read somewhere that it's actually supposed to be Ah Rudy, like R O O T Y, which is which is allegedly slang that meant all right. Hmm. I mean, that would make sense because, like, who's who's Rudy in all this? Yeah, unless Rudy is a uh, a person he's talking to. Could be telling about ta- Sue and. Yeah, all Daisy. these girls. In a lot of ways, this song is the predecessor to Mumbo Number Five. I mean Sue and Daisy. And yeah. is it just Sue and Daisy? It, yeah. I guess it is just Sue and Daisy, unless Rudy is another woman. Is that generally I suppose it could be. Yeah, anyway. could, I could be either, I suppose, but All Fruits. Um, woo! All fruits. Woo. Although um, it's got Alex, a good sound this, to it. You, yeah, it does have a good sound. Do you think that this is the same Rudy that's talked about in the Super Tramp song off Crime in the Century? Yeah, no, definitely. This song is also about like a young boy who's disillusioned with Class structure in the United Kingdom. Yeah, it usually is. Okay, so first one, I got a girl named Sue. She knows just what to do. I got a girl named Sue. She knows just what to do. He says it twice, so you know mm-hmm. that it's true. That's right. Uh, it, it's just you got to reinforce that concept. Um, and more importantly, it rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about sex, right? The song, the song is clear. definitely about sex. Quite probably anal sex, based on the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and, little Richard was kind of a freaky guy. It sounds like, which is which is right on. Um, yeah. I guess he got uh, he he had he was arrested. I think at least at one point for like sexual misconduct. Yeah, voyeurism and, specifically. Yes, which was rel- fairly above board by the sounds of the story. But back then, and possibly now, I I don't know where the law sits on that right now but definitely it was like a big deal like well, sexual I think deviancy the, the back big in the day. problem was that there it was just like in a car like right it was like a public gas station i guess yeah i, I guess it, that's probably still a problem yeah within the car though i believe it was consent all around yeah anyway but yeah little richard has a very complex history and long history with sex um, but anyway, to move to the bridge, she rocks to the east, she rocks to the west, but she's the girl that I love best. Which, I might add, also rhymes. God, just fucking rhyming left and right. Here. I know. Do this you think... Kind of so, so there's two ways I can interpret rocking to the east and west. One is, you know, fucking getting that, those good vibrations going. That's kind of what I'm getting out of it. Yeah, but the, but the fact that he says, but she's the girl that I love best... Oh, seems to imply, she covers imply to some. That, she covers some geography. Yeah, she's out and about. She's a woman about town, as they say. As they say. So, uh, despite her uh, her her uh, loose sexual nature, he still loves her the most. She she's the best. She knows just what to do. She knows just what to do. Although it sounds like Daisy's no slouch. No, she's like, we'll move right into verse two. He's got a girl named Daisy. She almost drives him crazy. He's got a girl named Daisy. She almost drives me crazy. She knows how to love me. Yes, indeed. Boy, you don't know what you're doing to me. What do you got for me, Alex? I mean, again, it's like the same thing. It's, it's, it's kind of like, like I remember reading an interview with Burton Cummings. He was talking about the song Albert Flasher, which is a, guess who song uh Mm -hmm. he was in the guess who um and 
the story behind it is like he saw a a light that said alert that was labeled alert flasher and he thought it said albert flasher so he decided that that would be a good name for a song and he said the rest is just like rock and roll gobbledygook or something like that like it's just it's meaningless (laughs) it's like yeah and i just like put some other words in the song like it doesn't mean anything And that's like 100% what this song is, is exclusive rock and roll gobbledygook. Yeah, and it's like, it's very simple. It's like, it's about girls, and he likes Mm -hmm. the girls, and like, it's the 50s, so all the sex is like very implicit, but like, you know, she knows what's going on, yeah, wink, 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 you know? And like, Mm -hmm. and he's, he's into it, as you can tell from the bridges, you know? And he's just like having a good time. And then there's a saxophone solo. Like it's, it it doesn't worry itself with like the rest of the like baggage that rock and roll has picked up since then about like expressing this or that feeling and maybe being sad sometimes. It's just like yeah, let's let's fuck. Or yeah, whatever. Like all like these very lyrics could be boiled down to yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like let's have yeah. a good time. It doesn't even necessarily have to be sexual. It probably is. But, you know, like the song. And I think that's like kind of the spirit of the like early rock and roll. And like that's that's what it like grew from is like just this kind of party mentality or enjoying life mentality. Yeah. Having fun. And I mean, that was even if you listen to um Springsteen on Broadway that was a big part of like his intro when he's talking about like hearing this music for the first time on the radio it was like it was fun and like mm-hmm. I was just a kid who lived in like a small town and it was rural and you know we'd sat around and whatever there was less stuff to do but then suddenly there was this music and it was like electrifying and if people were dancing and people were having a great time yeah and it's very it is very interesting because this sort of fun music also had like a big pushback against it right people are like whoa now you're, you're enjoying yourself and, yeah they're like good god <laughs> can't do that and of course the same thing happened like with jazz a couple years before like or maybe a couple decades before like it happened it, I, it happens every couple decades really but this just was the target at the time <laughs> oh yeah and it's yeah so yeah, that kind of sums up these lyrics and what they are is just a, a cry to feel good. What I find interesting in this bridge here, though, is he said, she knows how to love me, yes, indeed. And then he says, boy, you don't know what you're doing to me. Which I feel like he refers to her, but she knows how to do things. She knows stuff. Right. It's but like, she doesn't know. It's change. <laughs> she knows, but she don't know. She doesn't understand. She knows what to do, but doesn't understand what it's doing. Ah. Maybe that is uh, that's deeply philosophical. Or when he says "you" is <laughs> when he says "you" is uh, is he referring to Daisy or is that someone else? Yeah, or is he referring to Rudy? Because it kind of like changes the the who he's addressing, or it doesn't necessarily. But he's talking about her, and then he's talking about you. Mm-hmm. But also, and, and he says "boy." And he also says "boy." Um. But also, as we've said. This song doesn't really seem to to concern itself with with uh like deeper meaning, so yeah, or rules of grammar, yeah, which probably i i I think it's pretty safe to assume that it 
it doesn't mean anything at all. That is. He's just having a good time and shouting out whatever he feels and not concerning himself with saying the right thing. Mm -hmm. That's rock uh, and roll, baby. That's rock and roll. Apparently, I was wrong about uh, Little Richard doing the piano on the recording here. It says it's it's, uh, a man named Huey Piano Smith. Wow, he got that nickname, eh? That's impressive. (laughs) Fucking earned that. Wow. Um, I'm always impressed, and I know this may... Nah, we're talking about instruments now, I'm sure. Um, these early rock and roll songs, how like fundamental the like rhythm piano is to them. And mm-hmm. maybe this is kind of the progenitor of that or part of that. But not only the fact that it's so important on these older like 50s rock and roll songs, but then how much it like isn't anymore. Like that just got totally dropped. Like they just went hard for the electric guitar and like... Sometimes you'll get a piano still, but it's not this. It's not like this. Like mm-hmm. This just doesn't... I don't even know. Like, where do you go nowadays to get this kind of rhythm piano? Like, it's throwback 50s stuff. Yeah. All right, and it's so crazy because there is... I don't think any guitar on this track. I think there might... Ah, let's see. There's a stand-up bass, there's drums, there's horns, and piano. Wait, actually, I have the fucking. I had the instrument. Oh, there is a guitar allegedly by Justin Adams, but yeah, because I did see. There's a video. No, it's it's not very prominent. Like, and I guess at the time this was like like electric guitars existed, but like, um, Jimi Hendrix didn't. So like, there was no like distorted electric guitar or whatever. Um, there's an old like video black and white video of him performing it and you can see like the bass player and i'm looking for a guitar player yeah there's a guitar player mm-hmm. nope that's a bass player they've just got like four saxophones like yeah that's like, really I'm struggling to pick up a guitar on the actual track yeah i oh no i see a guitar player but like it's like rhythm like it's not really doing much it's not like yeah it's not rock and roll guitar at this point yeah it's, it's, it's not guitar. even really it's not even doing like a blues guitar thing you know like mm-hmm. where you get those kind of like blues licks and i don't really know that should have existed at the time i'm just trying to remember yeah. my timelines like if it was blues rock that would have been a little bit after that but uh yeah he's just kind of like there like playing chords or whatever so you know reinforcing mm-hmm. the harmony but not really he's not front and center no he's very like you know tertiary to whatever is going on in the song yeah it's just it's just so amazing how to me how much that changed over the years mm-hmm. so you're right and even though the piano is also just a rhythm instrument it's after little richard's vocals it is like the hardest instrument on the track it's really good although yeah okay let's let me just pull up my my notes so we can do this properly um here we go um yeah it like it's an old recording so mm-hmm. it doesn't have it's definitely like it sounds old um it can be hard to pick out some of the some of the instruments but like definitely that that piano is going and it's just like playing like eighth notes. Like it's just, and it's like, it's moving around, you know, there's chords, but like, it's really, really like holding that rhythm down. Yeah. 
And, and then you've got the drums kind of trying to keep up with that. We talked about this a bit already, but doing a sort of more of a swing rhythm really up on the cymbals a lot. Yes, absolutely. And it is just like, it like it still functions in this song totally fine. Yeah, but it's kind but of like can... not quite, hadn't like they haven't quite like developed the right beat yet. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's just a hair off. But yeah, you can definitely hear it's like trying to kind of like swing it, but the song is just completely straight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then the bass, the bass is, I think you you mentioned. Did you mention it was a walking bass line? Yeah, I believe because it is. Um, but it's not. It's kind of interesting because you get like the the rhythm from the piano is like eighth notes, and the rhythm from the from the bass is is quarter notes. So. Mm-hmm. You get that really like like from the piano, and then just like the boom, 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 boom. Right. So the the space between bass notes really kind of highlights the piano. Yeah, yeah. You kind of like get that time to to hear it, and 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 of course the walking bass line is maybe a little bit older style. So it's yeah, but also like timeless in a lot of ways. You can still get away with a walking bass line on like any variety of songs. Oh yeah, it sounds cool, for sure. But yeah, it's definitely not quite like, especially rock songs. Like for a long time, there's a period where the bass really just mirrors guitar a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, like even even still happens sometimes. Yeah, it's it's a very frequent technique, and we haven't quite hit that in this phase of rock and roll. Right, right. Although, who knows what that guitar is doing? You can barely hear it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although that I doubt doing a walking bass yeah, line, I'll be surprised. It's doing that. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Oh, right. There's horns, um, which is basically just these saxophones, and they just play like two and three of each bar. It's kind of like play the doop, doop, doop. Yeah, doop, it's almost doop, like a, doop, it's almost doop, like a skank, doop, but on doop. just different, you know, yeah, in the measure there. And it's kind of, I mean, we've been listening to so much stuff, and like the horns usually come in as this like very like brash sting kind of thing especially if it's this kind of thing but these sound mm-hmm. very like soft compared to that they're not trying to be this like nah, you know this really like prominent like fast attack kind of thing yeah they're just like duh, 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 duh. and then yeah you kinda... it's again just to like keep that sense of rhythm going yeah i think so it really like just it's it's not trying to cut through anything it's just like holding holding again holding just a different part of the rhythm down Making yeah. it a little bit more interesting than just like straight eighths, straight quarters. Like, oh, we'll bring this in on on a on a backbeat and then on a um, downbeat, mm-hmm. and then uh, adds a little energy. Yeah. and like it's it's all to support the vocals, which are so high energy that you need like an energetic rhythm section. Yeah, because he's just he's just like screaming this out, like he's just going. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly enough, about some of those screams is he does one just before the uh, the tenor sax solo, and mm-hmm. it's for an actual practical purpose, which is to let the saxophonist Lee Allen know when to start playing since they were recording on just three tracks, so overdubbing the horns wasn't actually a practical option. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was just a timing thing. I guess that that's cool. Like, it's cooler than, like, a nod, you know? Yeah. You make eye contact and, like, wink at him. A little more dynamic, plus, I think. Too. Yeah, those vocals can kind of, you know, cover up any little startup mistakes. 
bit of bit of musical grease, as it were. Yeah, it's good stuff. That is like, cause like when I was like first starting playing to play some guitar, which as you know I don't really do very much, but everyone's gotta, everyone's gotta go through a phase, right? Mm-hmm. Where they start to play the guitar. Um, that was like the toughest thing. Is like, what do you do when you're switching chords and you don't do it very fast? Turns out you can just kind of like keep going, and it just kind of rings out, and it sounds okay. You can barely tell that Man. it's not there. So you just cover it up with something. That's right. And then if it takes a little bit longer to get to the place you need to be, it doesn't matter. Because you make it sound still. Yeah, it's if you have that, like, stop, and then, like, a you're like, ah, oh, where's the chord? <laughs> that's what sounds bad. There we got it. There we go. So that's clever, now, is what I'm saying. That is clever. I agree with that. Now, is there... Have we kind of covered it you had any other notes on this i mean there's not many, it doesn't like change a whole lot there's that saxophone solo mm-hmm. uh, that, that is uh one minute about. and 21 seconds in um and then they just kind of go back it's actually like it's not a long song but there's also not a lot of lyrics so like they kind of repeat a lot of stuff yeah so it kind of feels a little bit longer than it is yeah because we get each verse twice don't we um n- one of them is repeated, at least. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, let me see. Daisy comes get. up twice. Yeah, Daisy comes up twice. But like, it's kind of this, like you could keep going if everyone's dancing and having a good time. Like, you could throw in some more, some more names, and rhyme yeah. them with things. Like, it would be fine. It would like this song can be probably as long as you want, and some of these are. Yeah, and it was like, you know, it's, like we said, it's not about the lyrics on this one, it's about the feeling, so if people are enjoying, you know, Little Richard screaming out about these two women, and, you know, the the instruments going in the back, like, you can do that for fucking 20 minutes. Right, and I think I would add, it isn't really about the lyrics, but they're kind of important, because I think they sort of instill it with this, like, early rock and roll attitude. Mm -hmm. That's like, I think for the time like a somewhat callous attitude towards sexuality that would come out more in the future. But I'm led to believe this was may would maybe be somewhat extreme. Maybe not extreme, but it would definitely be but, more edgy. Yeah, certainly just outside the realm of acceptability. Yeah. Um, with that, Alex, should we move into our covers? Um, did we mention that this is number 43 on the 500, R- Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Songs of All Time? Yes, we did. Okay. I zoned out a bit in the intro. That's okay. That was right near the end. Um, and yeah, number 43, which makes it not as big of a deal as uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, which I believe is number nine. It's also like right behind the weight. Mm. And that'll be the day when I die. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Was that the wait? No, that's um. If you scroll down to to 39, it's Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Oh, that'll okay. be the day. <laughs> no. Um. All right. Yes. We're gonna let's move. do covers. Yep. Let's go. Let's do covers. First up, we got uh, 1956, Pat Boone. Pat Boone. I originally wasn't going to include this one because I thought it was just kind of tame, but as it turns out, it's like historically important. 
Okay. All right. I had the wrong like, date. Let me. Nope. Yeah, I just had the wrong date. Cool. Okay. All right. 56. Pat Boone. 56. So he, Pat Boone was kind of like the sanitization crew for rock and roll. He would take rock and roll hits and sort of tone them down into this family-friendly vibe and release them. And then the nation was like, thank God, a white man doing rock and roll. Right. And I mean, that was kind of what Elvis did. But then this seems to be like that, but a little more. Yeah, because he would even he was even sanitization for Elvis Presley hits too, which is like Elvis pretty much just dance kind of suggestively, which is somewhat laughable now. But yeah, you're like oh, he's Papu moving his hips. Just stood oh, still no. while he was doing these. It's probably the devil. It's probably Satan. <laughs> it must be Satan. Must so be yeah, Satan. Boone's version made it to number twelve on the national pop chart, with it, where Little Richards only made it to number twenty one. And uh, so Little Richard does say that uh, Boone made it more popular due to his high status. Um, I got a quote from Richard here. He's, he says, uh, they didn't want me to be in the white guy's way. I felt I was pushed into a rhythm and blues corner to keep out a rocker's way because that's where the money is. When Tutti Fruity came out, they needed a rock star to block me out of white homes because I was a hero to white kids. The white kids would have Pat Boone upon the dresser and me in the drawer because they liked my version better, but the families didn't want me because of the image that I was projecting. Yeah, that sounds about right. I believe all of those words. That's I believe that 100%. Every single thing he said makes perfect sense. Like, um, Although Pat Boone was a big deal. Apparently mm-hmm. he was the second biggest charting artist of the late 50s. Just behind Elvis. God damn. Which is a pretty big deal. That is huge. So he was very popular. Although I have never heard of this man before in my life. I know. And like I looked at his songs. Like I feel like I've heard the name. And I looked at the songs. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, his top yeah. hits are Speedy Gonzalez, Love Letters in the Sand, April Love. I'm, ain't that a shame? I think I've heard. I know Ain't That a Shame, but I don't know if that was his song. Mm. I've heard Speedy Gonzalez. I don't know if it was his version, though. Yeah, he sounds like he's a big cover guy. Because this was particularly his era was when you could make it huge with a fucking cover. Yeah, with like just covers. <laughs> All right. So this version, this version kind of sounds, I don't fully understand why, but more country to me. Uh, it might be the quality of his voice. I think that's part of it. And like the way they make, like they do the echo on the vocals, perhaps as well. Yeah. But anyway, so it's like, it's kind of slowed down, definitely. Um, Like, the piano isn't playing these, like, these, like, eighth notes. Mm-hmm. It's basically doing what the what this, the horns were doing in the original, where it just plays, like, like, it's, it's a much slower rhythm. Yeah. And it's another walking bass line, um... It's it it really is just like a non rock and roll version of it. Yeah, it feels a lot less like like the there's less energy. It's just it's a lot like nicer. Mm-hmm. Like it. Yeah. And he switches. Yeah. He adds some things, like he'll say she's a real gone cookie, <laughs> which is definitely one of my. I there's a line from the road. I'm trying to remember it. Not the road. On the road. On the road. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, where he says like she's a she's the sweetest, gonest. Oh man, what's the what's the line? I gotta. 
I wrote it down one time, but I don't remember where. Oh, mm. it's the sweetest Gonus bangtail cat or something. Like, <laughs> I don't know what gone means. Anyway, but it's that kind of it's that kind of thing. Like, what is what is a gone person? What does it what does it mean to be gone? Yeah, what does it mean to be gone? As an adjective, it's usually that means dead. <laughs> what is a gone bangtail cat? Someone is gone. They have left the place where you are. Oh, okay. Thanks, dictionary.com. There you go. Um, slang. Gone bangtail cat. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, maybe it's like woke. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, um, so, yeah, it, like the intro doesn't hit the same. This is maybe the earliest example of... Like, you shouldn't do people's ad-libs because they sound insincere coming from you. Because he does the wop bop loo bop wop bam bop And it's just like, you know, he's just doing it to, like, because you have to. Well, yeah, that's like the hook of the song. Yeah. You can't not do that. But also... I suppose. Yeah. He, the, I mean, the, he's just kinda, he, like, screams it out in the original. Like, it's wild. And this mm. is like a wop bop a loo bop a wop bomb bop like... Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just like your grandpa saying it to you. Yeah, and this I like I don't believe this version is about anal sex. And mm-hmm. that's the that's the purpose of it existing. So I guess it's very successful. Yeah. In that. And probably like it, it prof- profitable. It was much more profitable as well. So maybe not at this point, but you know. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise, it's like instrumentally following the same moves. It does the same when he's rocks to the west, bump, rocks to the east, bump. The the walking bass line's there. Piano is present, but has been, you know, just tamed. Yeah, it's a lot slower. Although I do kind of like sometimes that whoever's playing piano likes to throw in some like trills, mm-hmm. <laughs> which Those uh, are I nice can appreciate touch. that. But other than that, it's definitely like much lower energy. Um they also do a saxophone solo because, I mean, they're not going to change that much. Mm-hmm. And the very ending, it ends on, like, a like a saxophone, like, fart. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I wrote, too. <laughs> it's a little horn fart. And, yeah, that's that's it. And that, yeah, and that fart sums up my feelings about this version. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of... Like, it's technically fine, but I feel like its purpose makes <laughs> it nefarious. It is. It's kind of, it's one of those, like, silently nefarious things. Mm-hmm. Like some farts. Like some farts. Um, speaking of a man who who farted before he died, Elvis Presley in 1956. <laughs> Good segue. Uh yeah. Speaking of farting, here's a person who probably farted. Um, <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> the implication is because he was on the toilet when he died, but all, like, yeah, I, guess I so. said it. <laughs> he just farted, you know, whenever before he died. Uh, here's someone who seems gassy, except this is young <laughs> Elvis Presley, so he hadn't, uh, you know, done the jumpsuit thing yet. Um, yeah. so this is Elvis Presley. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, he is the sole inventor of rock and roll, as we all know. Uh, That's right. Him and nobody <laughs> right. else. Him and Marty McFly. <laughs> um, he's the king. He's called the king, specifically of rock and roll. Um, you know, Graceland, 
et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. so on. So it was Presley. What do you want from me? I want you to acknowledge the fact that his voice is pretty good. Yeah, it's like distinctive. Exactly. Um, I feel like I know I've heard stories. Supposedly, Elvis Presley was like suppo- doing some recording and like Roy Orbison came in and he like would not talk to Roy Orbison because Roy Orbison is just so much better at singing. <laughs> he just like wouldn't be with him. He was like, so Elvis Presley's like fine at singing. Uh-huh, is okay. that a hot take? <laughs> no, that's probably <laughs> Elvis fine. Presley's like, like he's definitely got a distinctive voice, but I feel like, like technically speaking, he's not like an amazing singer. But you oh, could definitely yeah. pick him out of a crowd. But particularly in this era, where like rock and roll is really defining itself by like attitude and little gimmicks, like he's the Elvis it. Presley I mean, voice has it. That's true. He like he is. Bob, I mean, yeah, and it's it's way better vocally than the Pat Boone version. Like it's mm-hmm. much more interesting. He he's got that energy. This is the sanitized in the sense that it's a white guy in the fifties, mm-hmm. so that people would be more comfortable with it. But like, he still got some energy, and he did the like hip swing. Like, sure. So it's it's the like pg-13 version i guess i don't know yeah and like instrumentally we're seeing a a different step here because we're moving to this is really just guitar bass and drum true it's more like what you might think of of a a later uh rock and roll song without the piano um it's also Mm -hmm. faster yeah um and the drums have kind of moved off the cymbals yeah so this one is more like significant for how like in, even in one year here. This is 1956 versus 1955. Right. How much more defined the rock and roll sound is getting? Yeah, and I mean Elvis Presley exists, so there's mm-hmm. that. Um But other than that, like um the tone on the guitar, like the guitar you can actually hear now. Yeah. It's kind of playing like a billy billy like little rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um kind of every measure or whatever. Um, yeah, kind of taking over the horn part, weirdly enough. Yes, it is. And there's no horns in this one. This one, like you said, is a lot more like compact, which is mm-hmm. sort of like going forward the like idea of of the rock band, you know? Of like we've got four yeah. or five guys and that's just what we're gonna use. We don't need like a fifteen piece big band kind of thing. Exactly. We don't need brass and like and like you said, the weird thing of removing piano, which was like fairly instrumental at the start. <laughs> instrumental. Mm. <laughs> um, yes. So it's also the guitar tone is like a lot earlier. It's like there's not a whole lot of sustain, which you'd expect from like a 1950s guitar because they didn't really have the technology developed to make that real. Like, you know, like. W- what kind of turn into like metal guitar and like distortion and, mm-hmm. and overdrive and all that stuff and extended sustained guitar tones. So it's very early, uh, kind of that like rockabilly type sound. Um, yeah. Like definitely teetering on country. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, especially with the walking bass line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I, I wouldn't really, yeah, I'd say like rockabilly over like country specifically because mm-hmm. it definitely has that rock and roll. Um, yeah, just some of the way, like, I guess the the style of playing, sort of the harshness of the way the strings are getting hit implies a little more of that rock and roll. 
Sorry, could you say that one more time? The uh, the harshness, the uh, in which the strings are being strummed. Right, yeah. it's, it's got that like it's a little more aggressive, um, particularly than whatever Pat Boone was doing. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like it's really close structurally. It's a bit shorter because mm-hmm. because it's faster. Yeah. But but it's really like kind of doing the same thing. But it's Elvis now, and he's yeah, he sounds I like think- Elvis. Single I think like part of the reason for it being faster is that Elvis couldn't quite match that energy of the original. So you'd have so to that, pick up the pace to to sort of add energy to it somehow. In yeah, way. exactly. I believe that because I think that would work. Yeah, those are my thoughts on this one. It's uh, I like it more than the Pat Boone version, but again, it's this it's this whiteifying of rock and roll for the sake of profit. Yeah, like mass market, and we t- we talked. I mean. This comes up all the time. We talked about it way back in like Dance with Me, Henry, or yeah, Roll, Roll with uh, Me, the Henry. Wallflower. Yeah, the wall. We'll call it the Wallflower. That's easiest. Um, like it, it happened a lot. Yeah. So this is just another one of those. It is that. Um, Alex, we're gonna move to Fleetwood Mac. Yes. Because that one was released in 1995, but it's from a 1970 live recording. <laughs> Yes, I do have that date as well because Excellent. I I definitely knew it was like pre um, yeah. Lindsey Buckingham, so it had to be like early seventies. Yeah, so this is like an era of Fleetwood Mac that I only really know that they did a lot of like rock and roll covers and stuff. Like they were very like core rock and roll band. Yeah, well, like blues rock. Yeah. Um, this is the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac. So before, so he left in the early seventies, and um, then um, I guess Mick Fleetwood, probably, or the rest of the band, then hired Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks of Buckingham mm-hmm. Nicks at the time um, to join the band, and then they became something completely different. And we've talked about yeah. that a little bit before on our landslide episode. Um, but yeah, this is pre. This is like, like. Black Magic Woman Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. which is yeah, exactly. totally different. Also, this is live live. If you look, yeah, at the I don't title, know it says why live it's titled like that. So um, maybe one live, live live, maybe <laughs> or like it was called that live, and then to denote that it's live, they put the live after it. That could be it because several of them say that some of them aren't live. The yeah. album is live in Boston, remastered, volume three. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of these are covers of earlier rock and roll songs. Great Balls of Fire, obviously this, and I'm sure other ones that I don't recognize just looking at them. Um, yeah. Some of them are covers, I should say. None of them look like fucking Fleetwood Mac songs to me, but again, I don't <laughs> really know that much pre-Buckingham and Nick's. Yeah. there's They were popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but... They just don't have that same longevity as the like later incarnation. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is we always get these, particularly with the earlier rock and roll songs, the live version that goes on for at least three times the length of the original, and it's a lot of solos. Yeah, this is twice as long as the next longest version. 
<laughs> which is like a yeah. bit, the other one's a bit long. Yes, and it's also I'm actually surprised there aren't more versions like this because when we talked about Wild Thing, several of them were just live versions that were pretty much an excuse to take an old song like a standard and just insert solos. Mm-hmm. And this is that, but not only is it that they like do some of the song, do a solo, do some of the song again. I'm pretty sure that is the um, structure here, and then just like solo for like four minutes or yeah. or longer and then it just like ends in the solo like they don't go back to it they're just soloing yeah and it, it cowards fades out on the live song yeah, which is kind of weird i think it i don't know if it's just a weird kind of awkward way to transition between songs on a live album i i don't know yeah. but yeah it is odd yeah, it's, it's an odd choice just like fade out of the solo, but yeah, it's it's mostly a solo. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely like now we're in 1970, so we have access to like different different technologies. There's there's a definitely like a more modern sounding electric guitar tone in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the guitar is like really going, you know, like getting some of that feedback. Um, there's even a moment where you get like an actual like like feedback sound so i think about 25 seconds in um and it's really like focused on on the guitar like it's you kind of hear i mean they're doing the 12 bar blues thing throughout and then throughout the solo but it's definitely like this really like self-indulgent extended blues guitar solo yeah but i will say at the moments where it is like full band at least instrumentally, they capture that fucking energy that draws people to the original song. Because the, the drums, the guitar, and presumably the bass, even though you can't hear it over the fucking drums yeah, and guitar, are going the bass so isn't, loud. isn't doing a whole lot. So sorry, John McVie, but uh, this is not his most interesting work. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> One of but the members that it, actually is still a member of the band, John McVie. John McVie, holding it down out there. Hmm. But yeah, the the lyrics, the vocals... Who, which you can hear that he's like belting them, like he's shouting. They're yeah. still getting absorbed by the fucking just hardness of the drum and guitar. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely like that. You can see that like progression, that evolution of rock and roll. And now we're it's 1970, so you know Jimi Hendrix exists. So mm-hmm. it's anything goes at this point, really. And then they do at one minute thirty seconds. They do the he does the chorus again, Tutti Frutti O Rudy, and they're really doing the just like one hit, silence it, one hit, silence it, like sting, symbol. Oh, that's right. Symbol. They do that that one, and it's which is kind of done in the um, bridge of mm-hmm. the of the original, where it's just like bam, bam, bam. Like you get that that blues um, twelve bar blues, but you're just playing like the first note big hit on the first note as he sings yeah and it's so yeah this if as a technical showcase again like some of these covers just feel like this is how far rock has come along since the original tutti frutti so you get elvis presley where we've shifted to a more traditional rock band layout guitar bass drums right and then with this one it's like here we've really discovered what solos can be we're showing mastery of like short sharp moments and then big loud moments right yeah is yeah it's like a like a history lesson mm-hmm. yeah it's like a history covers. lesson 
Did you ever watch that uh, Fred Armisen stand-up where he goes to, like, a history of drums? No. I, I've i seen clips, but I've never watched the whole thing. Just give it give it a watch. It's, like, was it the best stand-up? No, but it was interesting. Yeah, that and was funny. kind of so, like, what I – he, like – I did see a bit, I believe it's from that one, where you went through, like, different accents in different states, like, throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that wasn't, like, the biggest punchline, but, like, it was cool. Yeah, it was just, like, like pretty solid comedy with, like, a interesting angle where he's just like, yeah, I love drums, I'm crazy about music. And you see in the audience, he's got this whole row of different drums. So he starts out, like, from, like, way back and works his way through them and talks about each different era and, like, how things change. It's, like, just super cool. And you're like, wait a second, I'm watching stand-up. Like, I'm yeah. so confused right now. Am I learning? <laughs> just trick me into learning? Damn it, Fred. But, yeah, this is, what our, this is what our playlist kind of feels like so far. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, I, I get pretty bored with these long live covers, and, like, I guess I kind of did with this one, too, but I thought it had some merit. Like, overall... And in line with the original, it was fun. Yeah, I didn't think it was like a bad solo, but it's just not something we really do anymore because it's kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially songs these days have so much meat to them already that it's very difficult to be like, well, we're going to take this four minute song and like plug in our own solos and shit because then you're, it's just weird at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else on this one, Alex? No, I don't think so. All right, with that, we're going to go into George Jones and Johnny Paycheck in 1980. Okay, let's see. George Jones is a country artist. He has a song, mm-hmm. He Stopped Loving Her Today. It's very sad. Um, mm. He has been called The Possum. What? Um, apparently that's a nickname of George Jones, the possum. He's been called the possum. Uh, allegedly. Uh, okay. Johnny Paycheck, also a country singer-songwriter. He's more in mm-hmm. the like outlaw country vein. Yeah. Um, his hit is Take This Job and Shove It. And in the year 1985, he just shot a man at a bar. Yep, so and, that's uh, outlaw. That's outlaw country. That's pretty much as outlaw as it gets. And um, then... Uh, Interestingly, George Jones on his Spotify profile is called a hardcore honky tonker, and then a Johnny Paycheck on his is, I believe, called a mighty honky tonker. So they're honky <laughs> no, tonkers. sorry, one of the mightiest honky tonkers of his time, Earth's mightiest honky tonkers. <laughs> so it's logical that they would get together and and honky tonk as a duo. Mm-hmm. And so they answer a question nobody had with this one was what the narrative of this song is by making it that one person is singing to another about a girl he has. Yeah, this is this is that. This is I mean, this is an Avengers level threat. This is <laughs> <laughs> that they're discussing here. Um So yeah, it's like like they turn into a duet and they both like tell he's like, I got a girl. Oh do ya? Like it's it's a conversation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what's her name? She knows just what to do. I bet she does. I bet she does. <laughs> um, so that's kind of the vibe of this one. Is it? It's kind of goofy and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wouldn't say it's quite as like ridiculously charming as um the oh uh Sophie B Hawkins yeah. and fuck what is his name? What's his name? I'm blanking. Yeah, for up on the roof. Yeah. Um. 
that was that was very charming. Uh, this is this is definitely goofy and fun. Um, it just doesn't quite reach that level for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's slowed down a bit. It's kind of it. I'd say it's in the Pat Boone vein a bit, but maybe not. I don't think that's fair, actually. What it does do is it like has the walking baseline, but it's not. They just do like the the like one three five six flat seven six five three like it's like always the same mm-hmm. which is a little less interesting but it's fine i guess yeah and it's uh yeah like you said it does kind of bear some resemblance to the pat boone version and you mentioned that pat boone kind of struck country for you yeah that's probably and, why yeah so this one is full-on country it's honky-tonk it's got that sort of like like hopping like pub vibe to it you got a sort of bright piano some dude on the stand-up bass yeah and they're singing two dudes are going at it they're singing to each other but like when they get to a chorus it's it becomes a duet like they sing together and there's backup singers so it really sounds like that like it's like it's a it's very much like a group thing and this song is Mm -hmm. kind of about that party attitude and they kind of they they bring that they have that yeah big hoot nanny vibes yeah Big hoot nanny vibes, and uh, they do get an electric guitar that starts to do some, you know, more like blues, like noodling in the back. Yes, this is. I mean, we've been talking about guitar technology. Now we're in 1980 or whatever, mm-hmm. so it's just a little bit more modern sounding. Yeah, we sort of worked out more uh, like conventions of rock, so it's easier to pick out certain things and throw them in. Right, and they've also. In terms of their piano, uh, no one just seems to do the like really fast, like eighth note piano playing that mm-hmm. goes on in the Little Richard version. Like, I'm a little surprised. Like, no one, maybe just no one wants to play that fast or something. I don't know. Or yeah, they're guess. just trying to create interest, like rhythmic interest, more so than just like quick energy. I don't know. Yeah. Again, it could be that, yeah, they don't want to draw attention to the piano. Like, this one has a guitar solo in it and a horn solo in it. They're very much more focused on other instruments. Right. Yeah, yeah it could just be a shift of attention more than anything else. Yeah, I, or maybe it's just that that kind of piano sound is so distinctively, like, of that era. That right. if you do that, it kind of sounds old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. I'm not and sure. Honestly, this one for 1980 already sounds pretty old-fashioned. Yeah, I guess so. That might just be me talking, though. I wasn't around in the 80s. I don't know what the state of honky-tonk was. I'm not yeah. one of Earth's mightiest honky-tonkers. What was honky-tonk like in the 80s? Um, Drums are a standard rock beat, which should be expected. It's the 80s. Uh, yeah, we have those. We, we have, have those, those now. And, uh, yeah, so they, they trade back and forth, and they do a lot of, like, ad-libbing while the other person's singing. Or even when they're doing guitar solos or horn solos, at one point, George Jones just says, that's Johnny Paycheck. I totally missed that part. <laughs> they're doing, they're doing like, name dropping and call-outs in Yeah, and if you even look at the album artwork for this, they, it's just them looking at you with these goofy-ass faces. Yeah, it's definitely, like, they're not really taking this seriously. They're having a good time. No, they're having quite a good time. And if we're if we're talking about again the original, that spirit of like having a good time being at the heart of it, they hit it in their own way. Absolutely. And yeah, they they really make it their own thing, more so mm-hmm. in terms of the attitude. So 
pretty good job. And uh, with that, should we move into Cliff Richard in 1984? <laughs> Cliff um, Richard is yeah. kind of a big deal. Like, I don't... Uh, again, a person I've not heard of before. But apparently, he was a really big deal. Like he's the third top-selling artist in in the UK singles charts, behind the Beatles Damn, and Elvis. So like, is he's another big deal, like Pat Boone, that I don't know anything about, but was a real yeah. big seller. Mm-hmm. And he's been active for a long time too. Yeah, like he 50, started in he the fifty-eight. This is the mid-eighties, and like, is he alive? I don't. I don't want to say he's still going, but like, he had stuff. For a while, like for several decades. Yeah, and I'll say, I thought he did a pretty fucking good job on this one. This one, I was actually a little surprised because when I read that, I was like, ah, it's just some pop guy. But then it like comes in with these like big drums. Yeah, and like an almost metal <laughs> scream. This, <laughs> yeah, that too, and it's all echoey. The drums are like Donkey Kong Country, <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah, just immediately a different energy off this, and then you get that sort of rolling guitar riff. The yeah, so like, yeah, it's even that's like kind of I think old fashioned, especially for mid eighties. But like, it doesn't feel super old. And he mm-hmm. manages to like sing it pretty well too, energy wise. Yeah, yeah, like he hits the vocalization right. And he's got, like, a good, like, roughness to his voice. Mm-hmm. And he is basically screaming this song. It's, uh, like, I was pretty charmed by it. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also, there's a few, like, little effects. There's something right before, there's a guitar solo. Um, and right before, if you go to, like, 50 seconds, is a good place to start. As he, like, does the hook before it goes into the guitar solo, the guitar, like, starts up, and you can hear it, like, it, like, it, like, fires up and, like, charges in, and then, so it, like, kind of, you have that anticipation of, like, there's a guitar now, and then it starts to do a solo, which I thought was a pretty good touch. Yeah, that is a good, that's a good, like. And then he's, like, like, yeah, go, and then it, like, solos. Yeah, and then it solos. Um, yeah, and you get that solo at the fifty-five seconds. We get backup vocals on this one singing the title line. They're like "Tutti Frutti," "A Tutti Frutti." Yeah, so Which, it's definitely again, like, like moving into the those like bigger arrangements with all the backup singers and you know a mm-hmm. professional backing band. But pretty well done. Uh, there's also an organ or possibly synthesizer solo in this version. Yeah, at about one thirty-seven, I was just gonna mention that. Which again, did not expect that for the song. <laughs> no, yeah, and it's another one. Just, just kind of like, sounds like they really, like it would be a good live thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of another thing. Like, Little Richard supposedly said about the original is like, oh, I didn't think it was the kind of song you'd record. Like to him, it was like a live thing. Right, because according to him, he'd been playing it for years at clubs, and just like. It ended up being recorded, but he was like, I have to imagine, like I mentioned, you can kind of keep it going, like as long as it needs mm-hmm. to go. Um, if everyone's dancing around having a good time and you just throw in verses or whatever. Um, yeah, and you could easily make up those verses on the spot. Yeah, because <laughs> they're very, very simple. 
um, mm-hmm. or have like like you want to write another verse for this like think of a name <laughs> really exactly <laughs> it's just like find a word that rhymes and it doesn't have to even make that much sense honestly no um, it doesn't yeah and that's i mean the one other thing it, it has like a breakdown verse this is a lot more like going through the history we've got like an established pop music formula now and this one kind of follows that because mm-hmm. like you get the breakdown verse where it's just drums and like it's a call and response now between him and some backup singers like like all these techniques that have been developing over the last three decades he's got yeah. access to them and he uses them he does a pretty good job yeah and we start to see a little reintroduction of keys both in a traditional form and as like a synth right it is the 80s now there's a lot more synthesizers going around mm-hmm and uh, yeah, you're right. We get that breakdown verse, which is you know a good change up. And then near the end, we get that like surf rock, almost that ah. Uh, oh, those are fun. Uh, yes, the harmonies. Forgot about those. Yeah. And then they wop bop loop bop wop bam boom, and then it's over. Yeah, and then bam bam, they're out. No fade out. They just do no the fade thing. out. It's good and clean. It, it is was, weird. It's weird to fade out on this song that has such a strong like hook you can end on. Yeah, it's it's an easy like ending note. Like even when I was writing the intro, I was like, well, naturally you end by talking about that line. Like you drop that line. So it's just a good like it's a good tag. Yeah, and it's like it's it's so distinctive and it hits, and then you're like, yeah, this is the thing, and then it's over, and you're like, yes, I expected mm-hmm. this. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good high energy. A lot a lot of moving pieces in this one that all come together. I think pretty nicely. And like you said, it's it's kind of like a showcase of how far we've come again. It's just like, look at all these things we do now. <laughs> and with that, we're going to talk about Queen in 1986. Ah, yes, the Queen cover, live at Wembley. <laughs> Wembley. Wembley has to be the most British name for a fucking <laughs> like stadium I've ever heard. Wembley. I wonder where it is. Maybe it's in Wembley. It's in Wembley. It's it it just needs like two other fucking syllables attached to the end that you're not supposed to say. Wembley Stadium is in Wembley, London. Wembley, Sherford. Hmm. No, this isn't right. This says opened in 2007. That can't be right. With the Wembley... Wembley Stadium. Oh, this is at Wembley Stadium. Stadium. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe there's two Wembley Stadiums? Maybe there was an older one and a newer one? I'm definitely missing something important because this is not the right thing. Yeah, here, so if you read the full thing. (laughs) Okay. It's a football stadium in Wembley, London, which opened in 2007 on the site of the original Wembley Stadium. Oh, yeah, I stopped reading there because I freaked out. I was like, no, this is wrong. (laughs) <laughs> this is why, a glitch in the matrix this is why i'm not a researcher because <laughs> you can't read a full sentence no maybe one and a half not you two. just wait for a sentence to surprise you and then you're done yeah <laughs> I, I look for keywords and dates keywords and, and that dates. is it and then i give up it's just you just missed the keyword and date after it wembley stadium which was demolished in 2002 and 2003 all right, so this stadium doesn't exist anymore. There's a newer yes. version. Um, and yeah, it's Queen. Like, it's Queen doing it. Um, it starts kind of like 
it's like just like a fairly clean guitar sound and then the band is singing you can definitely hear freddie mercury and roger taylor i'm assuming brian may's got to be in there too Mm-hmm. can't really hear him Get- sounds like there's more than two voices though and it could be possible that the audience is singing along to some extent too they do true. at least do a call and response at one point that is true he gets the audience to sing the hook he sings wop bop loop bop wop whatever and he goes back and forth for a bit Mm-hmm. which is like um, good move yeah. everybody knows it yeah and again like they this is a, a tight version of a live version which we don't see often it's only three and a half minutes and uh they do quite a bit with it like you said it starts out with that clean just guitar that goes on for about a minute and then we hit a, a wop bop back and forth which then at 119 we get into what i call the real queen version which is where the electric guitar and the drums come in and start going fucking ham. Yes, very much more like Queen. You get the like drum roll into it and then distorted guitar. Bass mm-hmm. bass guitar, I'm sure, as well. Yeah. Shout out to John Deacon. Way to go, man. Yeah, there's a piano in there too. Um, and of course, uh, Freddie Mercury jumps up his vocal performance to, to match with the instruments. Because he knows his shit. There's a guitar yeah. solo from Brian May. That's what he—he's a guitar player. He plays guitar. He solos on that guitar. Yeah. Solos. That's the, that's got to be the. Uh, it's the red what special. Is it? That's right, the red special. And then after that, the like the piano jumps up too. I I feel like someone turned it up in the recording because mm. it was kind of hard to hear before. And then after the solo, suddenly it's just doing its kind of like rockabilly style piano stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. in Man on the Prowl, another Queen song. And then they do a big rock ending. Yeah. But First it's a fake a false out. ending. But yeah, it's a fake that's out. the one. And then they do a bigger rock ending. Yeah. So that's impressive. I mean, this is, yeah, this is just a version that makes sense. It's like, obviously, Queen would do a cover of, like, Little Richard. Seems like there's some good spiritual connections there between Freddie Mercury and Little Richard. Absolutely. Um, and then, like, obviously, they're going to perform it live, and it's going to be this huge, big, bombastic thing with fake endings and big fucking uprisings and all that. And yeah, it's, it's so yeah. dramatic. It's like, the song's over now. Psych. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it, it all makes sense. I believe I believe in this version. This yeah. is the Queen version. And they do, this is- I mean, it's Queen. Like, were you expecting them to do a bad job? We're expecting, even if they did a bad job, us to think it was bad. Yeah, really. Like, come it's, on. Uh, like, I mean, if you don't like Queen, I guess, or you don't like arena rock, you're probably not going to like this, but... Yeah, like, I, this would on. be so much fun live. We've discussed the fun ways, of this song. Yeah, exactly. And, like, arena rock, in a lot of ways, is just about getting people fucking hyped. And, like, so, that, that, like, the hook of this song, like, it gets people so hyped. Like... People know that hook. Yeah. And then, like, like if you're there live and it's like, oh, my God, Freddie Mercury is singing this, you're like, like holy shit. It's a good performance. It's yeah. a good move. It's a solid live cover. Show, That's all I have to say about it. You ready to move forward? Yes, let's talk about the next version. Uh, which is Retro Style and Ollie McKenzie in 2012. <laughs> Bam, boom, 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 bam,
yeah, I had trouble finding out um a lot about these people. Retro Style has like eight versions of Mambo Italiano and this song. <laughs> yeah, and this is Ollie McKenzie's only credit, both on Spotify and Tidal, and the only thing I could find from them. Oh, they have what's this? Woohoo from Kill Bill. Anyway, um yeah, I couldn't find anything on Ollie McKenzie. I like look like Googled the name, was like, Do you mean Audrey? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. fine. Fucking same thing it here. She doesn't exist. And then it's called this one's called uh Tutti Fruity Gangnam Mix. I don't and I couldn't find no any what. like specification of what a Gangnam bi- mix would even be. I mean, when was this from? What was the year on this one? This one's twenty twelve. Gangnam style existed. Yeah, but this doesn't really pull any elements from Gangnam Style. Yeah, I'll admit I don't know Gangnam Style that well, but I don't think so either. Now, Gangnam is like a like a community or something, like an upscale community or something mm. like that in South Korea. Ah, uh, yes, it's a, a district. Upscale modern center home to gleaming skyscrapers, designer brands, and stylish nightclubs where big-name DJs spin techno and house. Yeah, so maybe it's, like, related to a style of music that is associated with that region. I don't know. Maybe that would be my best guess. Or at least it's trying to be. My best guess would be that Gangnam Style was hidden, and he was like, well, if we call it a Gangnam Mix, <laughs> See if we can get some listens. Google it. Yeah. I mean, that's probably what it was. That's probably why it was called that. Yeah, so this relies heavily on. I would Ultimately. say it's a sample, but it's also possibly this Ollie McKenzie. It guy. must be right. Like what? Yeah. So he says the wop wop loo wop wop bam boom bam boom bam boom, and then it echoes. Yeah, it echoes, and they loop that a lot in the song. And it's like electronic beats. Other than that, like it's a lot of synthesizers. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of. Yes, exactly. And then, like, like that, they do the hook and then echo it, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam. And then she sings, like, gotta go. Night and day. She sounds a little yeah. sped up, too. Yeah, where it almost sounds like an odd country mix. Country, eh? Yeah, I, something it's, about that. It's I think it reminds me of, uh, like, when the, they do, like, country songs. Whenever they sample them, they always speed it up just a little bit. <laughs> And then it, I think you get that same kind of vocal effect that this one has. It is definitely, like, it's odd. Like, I, I, I timestamped 109 because mm. she does this, like, vocal run on the word girl. But it's yeah. just this, like, girl. Like, <laughs> because it's kind of too fast or something. Like, it's, it's just a little awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, she does the verses. She does the the parts of the song and then it just like does electronic stuff sometimes and yeah, this like is like it's a variety boop, of synth you know you get some more like ringy ones near the top doing the melody that like boom 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 and on the bottom you got like a little more like a little crunchier a little more electronic sound like yeah so like there's a bass there's drums it's all electronic there's some like melody synthesizers they do the vocal bits they go bam boom bam boom bam boom and yeah it's an electronic version like um i i didn't think it was like bad specifically but it also didn't really pull me in very much like yeah well like like i said they found the idea of using the 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 vocalization as a hook 
and it works, but then there was really nothing else right, around that. Because it's that. all it's worked since 1954 or what? Five? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's still the same kind of thing. It's just they mm-hmm. echo it a bit to make it a little more electronic. So like, I, yeah, echo it and loop it. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that in itself, I don't think is really like much of an innovation <laughs> stylistically. Yeah, it's just it's kind of like the like if you gave this to students. As a project, you're like make a like a techno or house mix with, uh, you know, th- this Little Richard song. Like ninety percent of them would come out something similar to this. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's kind of that combination of yeah, sample and loop, and throwing in some some electronic beats. Yeah, and That's just because it. it's the obvious idea doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad idea, but it's not standout either. Yeah, exactly. Especially in a genre that, like, I don't care that much about day to day. So it's definitely harder to impress me with. Yeah, fair enough. Um, with that, we're going to move into 2018 for our final cover of the Jallies. Yeah. The Jallies. Yeah, it kind of sounds like jellies when when they say it. Okay. Because, I did you see some? They have some like live songs. I think it's the same group. Okay. Did it feature three gals and two cats? Yes, there were definitely three okay. gals. Did you find more information on them? Well, according to their Facebook page, the oh, jellies is the three gals and two cats band. Three Are they gals, French? Three singers, three musicians. Brackets, guitar and drums. A wild double bass player and a guitarist. Yeah, that sounds right. That's what I'm seeing visually. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this this man wild? I don't know. But <laughs> maybe he is. They're French though, right? Yes, they're uh they are French. Okay. And you can hear that in their vocals too. Yes, for sure. Particularly in like this so it's a man singing and there's three mm-hmm. women, they all sing. Um yes. in different songs, but this is like there's a guy taking the lead. For yeah, this version, and they primarily do these like bop bop backup vocals. Yeah, but they also come in later, about minute and forty seconds in, they take over the lead. Yeah, they fill in some lines. I think they do like kind of a trade off sort of thing, and then do they take over fully? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that's them. Um, you notice it in his R's because his R's yeah. are very like very much close to a W. Right, and I think that might just be because the French R is different from the English R, so his English R is not amazing. Like, yeah, it's, whatever. It's, but he does basically exactly. say Woody. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, and it's like, it's like a throwback '50s group. Mm-hmm. They've got this yeah, like rockabilly say, thing they going on. Original songs and covers from early rock and roll and rockabilly to modern sounds from Elvis to Amy Winehouse. But yeah, I think they're definitely emphasizing. More on the rock and roll and rockabilly side. Yeah. Especially um, with a double bass player. Like Yes, if you got a double bass player, probably you have some specific affiliations, musically speaking. Um mm-hmm. the vocals also like are very echoey. There's a very strong echo on the vocals. Or like kind yeah. of like that distortion. Maybe it's like a harmonica mic type thing with a delay. Yeah, or it's got like grit to it and echo. Yes. And I think most of that is just effects. Mm-hmm. Other than that, 
I wasn't really drawn in too much by this version, honestly. No, it's pretty just like it's just built to to go and not really like astound. It's like yes, this is tutti frutti. Yeah, and like energetically, it doesn't even really have that much going for it. No, they try for a more like organic kind of percussion. There's a bit of like hand clap sounding action to it, right? And a bit of like a like a train chugging kind of effect on the rhythm, but it doesn't really uh, add anything. Yeah, and particularly, I feel like most of the vocal sort of quality comes from processing, which is fine. Like it's just vocal effects, but there's not a whole lot of like energy behind them. Mm-hmm. to support that so it kind of falls a little flat yeah if anything like some of that filtering might have taken away from the energy they could have put in possibly i don't know but that yeah, doesn't d- seem to be d- there depending the on the filters but yeah we are missing something there um yeah other than that like you get a guitar solo uh they go through it there's like it sounds to me like there's a, a kind of jangly guitar and an electric one i could be wrong on that though i'm just listening now like right at the end? Um, just kind of throughout. Oh, I thought you said at the end. No, I just not like in general. But I think it actually might just be one kind of jangly guitar. There's a walking bass line. Uh, I might be mistaking the distortion from the vocals as distortion from the guitar. Right. Yeah, because to me it sounds like a like fairly clean kind of 1950s style guitar. Like. Yeah. That's kind of their thing. Yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of underwhelming. Yeah, it wasn't a whole lot to this version. No, with that, we're going to move into our final verdicts. We have three categories today. You got the best version, the worst version, and the most fun version? The most fun. Yeah. With that, Alex, uh, worst version. Worst version. Um... Hmm. The worst version. I I mean, I think a lot of them managed to to get something out of it, you know? Something mm-hmm. I feel like the Pat Boone version really felt like it was just trying to make it not fun. Like Yeah. So I think I have to give it to Pat Boone. I think I, I agree with it's that. I'll of, double down on that yeah. decision. Like it's not it's bad per se, but comparatively it just doesn't have really anything that the original brought to the table like it it takes down the energy it takes down the attitude it takes down the like like the lyrics are the same but now now the attitude of the song doesn't really support them so it's kind of yeah yeah, it's odd and it's tough because it's like like little richard even said boone made it more popular due to his high status but like I don't know. It's there was something lost in his version that, that makes me <laughs> dislike it. Yeah, and it's, I'm sure it's a lot easier to see that nowadays that we have mm. a comparison and we have decades to. Have oh yeah, if I was alive of... in 1956, I'd probably be some asshole being like, "Did you hear this new Pat Boone? You know the Pat Boone. It slows it down, but you know, oh, it, it's just it's something about it. I don't know. I don't know. Just so good. Yeah, and like we're at least with like with the, with the Jollies. Um, like they're trying to capture that spirit, even if they fail at it, they're they're trying to have like a good like raucous version. They've just done all the wrong moves to get there. Yeah, they're trying to be. They're they're not trying to take anything away from it. Hmm. Yes, Pat Boone, worst version. Alex, what's the best version of this, and why? Ooh, the best version of this. Um, 
I mean, it would be so easy to just give it to Queen. Oh, yeah. Very easy. Um, let's, let, me, let me just go through the mental... Like, the Elvis Presley version was pretty decent. He did a pretty good job of being Elvis singing this song. I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't give it to Fleetwood Mac because <laughs> the extended guitar solos were a bit much. Um, they were pretty good solos, though. Um, the George, George and... Whatever. George and Johnny. George and Johnny version. Solid. Not really my thing, though. Mm-hmm. Cliff Richard. Oh, I like the Cliff Richard version, too. Mm. Yeah. Cliff Richard and Queen both did pretty good versions in the mid 80s. Which is, of course, like our sweet spot for music. I know, like. right? What was this made? The middle of the 80s? I love it. I love it. What is it? What? <laughs> you haven't started it yet? <laughs> To reference a, a, of an old vine. Oh, it's not playing. Yeah. I, I love this. I love that. Um, Is this music? I love music. <laughs> I believe that's Gabriel Gundacker. Shout out to that vine for being funny. Why is why are vines so funny? I saw a vine the other day. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> like that I've heard referenced and like had never watched, and then I watched it and I just laughed for like five minutes. Like which one was that? It was the like. They're like they were roommates. I don't know. I love Because I'd always one. heard that, and I didn't realize it was a vine. And I looked it up, and he's just like, "Oh my god, they were roommates." That's uh, like my favorite thing. Oh my god, they were roommates. <laughs> anyway, um, I think I got to give it to Queen just because it is live, and this is like mm-hmm. so much like a live song. Yeah. And they just like do a good version of that, and I think that it 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 puts it over the edge because of that, right? But right, it really puts it into its roots, like modernizes it, and and queens it the fuck up. Yeah, and I mean, I just like Queen, so yeah, it has that advantage. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Cliff Richard, I feel like maybe a live Cliff Richard version could probably be pretty could could give it a run for its money potentially. Yeah, I think I I think I've got to give it to Cliff Richard because. It was just such like a a roller coaster ride of like good tricks. He just seems like a good like working musician. He's like, yeah, we can start off with the scream, a little bit of fucking heavy <laughs> drums. Check out this old riff, and yeah, then like he's, he's picked it all up over the years, and you can just use it. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a magic show of music. You're just like, oh shit, he's gonna do this now. Oh, oh, oh I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, and just like wraps it up. It was a, it was, it was like a, like maybe the most effective studio version you can get of this song in terms of like liveliness through techniques. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good version. But yeah, Queen's definitely peak of the live versions, even though there's only two and like a close, like it's it's neck and neck with those two for me. Yeah, this is um, probably like yeah. because there's no way to prove this. I'm sure this is one of the most covered lives, like songs of all time. Like, oh yeah, it's easily up there. Um, it's a lot. Of, the problem is, and when I was building a playlist, we were originally going to do Long Tail Sally, but so many people just cover Little Richard and medleys. Right, that is just like three other songs. Mm-hmm, and it, it'll be like three other Little Richard songs too, because this song actually kind of set like a formulaic structure for a lot of his work. Right. Like, if you go listen to Long Tall Sally, it's pretty structurally similar to this song. Yeah, I mean, even this uh, live black and white video, it's Long Tall Sally and Tutti Frutti. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like if you listen to Fats Domino and it's all like, bump, 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 bump. 
It's all got yeah. that. It's all got that rhythm, man. Anyway. But yeah, so that is uh That's the worst yeah. and best. It's the worst and best. Alex. The funnest version. The funnest version. Who had the most fun with this? Mm-hmm. Hmm. George and Johnny do really seem like they're having a good time, don't they? Yeah, on a very like personal level, it looks like they're having fun with each other. Yeah, you know? and just like fucking around, and they're like, "Let's record it." Eh, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then someone's like, "Hey, we gotta take the picture," and they're like, "What?" And turned around, and like, <laughs> that's the picture. That's the album cover. Yeah, I mean, there's goofy ass mugs. So, and he says, "I love how I'm assuming, I'm assuming the shorter one with the bandana is Johnny. I don't know why." I've made that um, assumption. Maybe. Is that him? That's, that seems like a reasonable guess. Let me take a look. Yes, because I see him with a bandana in his And uh, in his Yeah, picture. facial hair seems to yeah. be his... Uh... He's just like longing, lovingly looking at George. It's great. It's a good yeah. album cover. Anyway, so I think I'll give it to cover. them because they seem like they're having fun. Although a lot of these versions, if they are like decent, have that quality to them because you kind of have to mm-hmm. because that's in a lot of ways what it's about yeah 100 percent. i think with uh like george and johnny there it's just like more obvious with their their sort of back and forth it's more easy to pick up on the fun absolutely that there's like a, another level to it um i think in terms i'm gonna go by sheer numbers here the year is 1986 you're at the wembley stadium in fucking the uk so, collectively <laughs> the most fun was had there yeah and like just the status of queen at that time you fucking hang on what came before that on the uh on the the performance let me see here it was Tutti Fruity, which came hot on the heels of hello mary lou i don't know that fucking song hello Mary Lou, <laughs> goodbye. That CCR is a cover. Sweet Mary Lou, oh, I'm so in love with you. No, but yeah, Freddie Mercury busts uh, out this whole chestnut, and you're just like, holy shit! So hello, Mary Lou, goodbye. Boom, 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 boom. And, and he gets y'all to sing along with it, and then you're like, well, that was a pretty good like acoustic jam. And then they get into the actual version. It's, yeah, it's unstoppable. <laughs> and then like, then they do another song. Do I know? Give me some lovin'. I certainly do not. And then they just go into Bohemian Rhapsody. Anyway. Yeah, like the, very the, the sheer level of fun there, it's just you can't you can't beat that with any one of these performances. So yeah, Queen most fun. Um that's been our final verdict. So you have a similar opinion, different opinion, or want to talk about a cover version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag cover me pod at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, you can also email us at covermepod at gmail.com with your questions, comments, and concerns. Uh, we are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. And if you can review us on those podcasting apps and tell your friends, that'd be fucking awesome. And now for a bonus segment that I have actually prepared today. Ooh. Hmm. So Alex, we've just talked about a song where it's it's big, like it's big legacy as in its opening line, this vocalization, you know, wop wop loo wop wop bam boom. Right. I'm going to read to you some vocalizations from other hit songs and see if you can tell me what the song title is. Okay. And who? I'm assuming and who you by. won't be reading them in the original like rhythm. I will be reading them like a you know like a newscaster would. Okay. Read them. All right. Otherwise, it'd be too easy. It'd be much too easy. So I'll start you off with a softball here. Oh, uh, 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 uh. 
Okay. All right. That's got to be um that's got to be down with the sickness. That is correct. Got to be some Do you know disturbed. the band for that? That's disturbed. disturbed. We did we did cover that a couple weeks ago. That's right. I do we remember did. that. Alex, you're, okay. You're wow. one for one. Next up we got Cuckoo Kachoo. Cuckoo Kachoo. All right. Um that is I am the walrus. Although no, maybe not cuz he doesn't say that. He says Cuckoo Kachoo. Okay. So this is confusing because that is what it is often interpreted as, but supposedly that's not what the lyric is. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if there's now another song that used the other one. Am I thinking into this too? Am I, am I looking? You were thinking into this exactly this? the right amount. So that's okay. Now what song? I don't remember. I don't, don't remember. I know we've I'll, talked I'll about this, you, but I can't remember what song. I'll give you a hint. It is a duo. So it's two oh, people fuck. in this Is group. it? Um, yes. It's uh, Simon and Garfunkel, right? That is correct. What is the name of the song? The song is, um, I'm trying to remember. I'm, uh, this guy is Mrs. Robinson, right? That is correct, right, Alex. There we Coo-coo go. I was like, <laughs> Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, the I am the walrus. Yeah, he says goo goo gajoob. That's correct. Okay, this I know. This you know. So okay. you're two for two, Alex. Okay. That one was close. Oof. I thought you were going to lock in the wrong answer that here. Was, that was a close one. Okay, this next one's going to be a bit difficult, but you might get it. All right. All right, here we go. Mm num ba day, dum bum ba bay. Okay. Do ba dum ba bay bay. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's under pressure. Yeah, you got yeah, it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> three for three, Alex. Queen and David Bowie. Next one. <laughs> and David Bowie, that is correct. The next one I have here is Dibba dee ba dee dee do do, dee ba dee dee do. Is that like I'm blue? Is that the name of the song? No, 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 guess, no. I know, I know what the song is. No, no, no. I'm just mixing it up. Uh, what's it called? Ah, <laughs> no, it's not. It's a uh, I um mixing up songs from the same era of my life. Apparently, I don't know if they even came out close to each other. Is that the hamster dance? That is correct, Alex. Okay. <laughs> if you can name the group who does the hamster dance, I don't. I don't impressed. know. I don't know who it, it is. It is Hampton and the Hamsters. Hampton and the Hamsters. All right, I might have known that at one point. Okay. Um, I got another. I got three more here. Okay. All very good ones. The All next right. one is this. Beep a gunk a cha cha honk conk conk kadanta each yapunai ne cha bop pop lula nichao pow paticha ni song kong. Okay, I know this. It's the doors. <laughs> yep. The song is. Um, I can hear it. Just trying to place it in the middle of a song. Uh, no, damn it. Ah. This one's tough. This is a tough one. It's not coming it, like, to me. I know, ones... like I can hear it. I can hear it in the song. But I've, I, want, I'm trying to remember to what song. Tell you what album it's off of. Is it the title track of an album? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be a good hint. I can hear it. I'll give you either the album name or the year. Album would be better. <laughs> okay. Uh, the album is L.A. Woman. Okay. Um, not the song L.A. Woman, obviously. Um, oh shit! Is it? Sorry, no. It's actually Morrison Hotel. <laughs> okay. Uh, does that help me? Ah, fuck. Can I look up the album and pick up what song it is? Um, yeah. Take a look. <laughs> All right. Uh, Morrison Hotel. Will I be able to tell? Is it Roadhouse Blues? It is Roadhouse okay, Blues, good. Alex. Ugh. All right. All right. Two left. The the next one coming up is. Skibi dibi dib yo da dub dub. Oh jeez. Hmm. 
Not not Skibbity Bluestone. No, that's <laughs> Mungo Jerry Bluestone and Skibbity. Um, that is Skibby Dibidib. Yo, Dad Dub Dub. Now, my hint for this is if I give you away the artist name, it would basically give away the song name. Because they're a one-hit wonder. I'm assuming. Yeah. If you can even call this a hit. Okay. What is it again? Uh, it is Skeeby Deeby Deeb, yo, Da Dub Dub. Fuck. I, I can't think of anything on this one. I don't know. All right, the the answer is The Scat Man by Scatman John. Okay. No, I don't really know that song. That's yeah, fair. Okay. Um, I feel all right. One last one here, Alex. One this more. one is for all the marbles, obviously. Is it? <laughs> yes, it always is. Um, okay. the, the vocalization is Sula V. Delejo. Oh, okay. That's familiar. But what this is one it? I had to look up if, if it was even actually vocalizations or if it was another language. <laughs> It sounds vaguely familiar, but I'm having trouble placing it. It is uh, Sulavi Dileho. So familiar. The uh, the album it is off of came out in 1977. 77. Mm-hmm. Just trying to process this in my brain, you know. I know. It's this is tough to give hints for because if I gave you the album name, I think you'd get it right away. Because yeah, not a lot of songs necessarily have these kinds of sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, another hint. The artist is British. Hmm. Okay, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Okay. 77? That is correct. Is this off Heroes? Um, no, it is not off Heroes. Damn it. No, I guess... Good guess, though. I was thinking, like, low. Mm-hmm. It's not low, is it? Is it David Bowie? It it is David Bowie. Okay. And it is off low. Okay, I was thinking low is seventy six for some reason, but I guess um, I'm I'm just going off Spotify, which said seventy seven. Right. So not important. Maybe low All is right. seventy six. Now I'm trying to remember. There's so many weird vocalizations on low. <laughs> <laughs> which one is it? Um, I'm just gonna say Varsava, and then I don't know. It's definitely. This you got side. it. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's <laughs> There's like saw. a 25% chance of getting that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's one of these four. All right. Yeah, I, was, I, I like went through it trying to find which was like the toughest like vocalization to pick up off. Because if I did something off Subterraneans, it's pretty easy. He sings those pretty clearly and they're like English words essentially. Yeah, it still probably would have been tough. Might I don't know. Been. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Needed some hints, but... You some hints, but you got through, Alex. Got through it. No, no technically wrong answers, though you got pretty close to fucking up. I, I missed, I didn't know one of them, though. You can tell everyone you know that you almost got 100% on the Cover Me Vocalization Challenge. That was a fun quiz. That was, a, I like that one. <laughs> that was fun. I just came up with it like an hour before we recorded. I was like, fuck yes, finally. Uh, all right. That's, all right. That's, that's cool. been our bonus segment. That's been our show. Uh, and as we always say on Cover Me, Tutti Fruity! Oh, cover me! Ugh!